Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a brilliantly crafted, br- really brilliantly directed film, certainly given the, the way that it has to navigate through this minefield. Oh, I totally recommend it. Yeah, I think it's gritty, it's measured, it has certain authenticity. So, um, yeah. I'm a big fan of Catherine Bigelow anyway. I think she handles it really really well and I think Jessica Chastain is brilliant I mean in my mind this is her Oscar winning performance not what she actually won for and they're all excellent I thought the acting was superb I was totally gripped and involved and engaged in the action hello everyone joining Flix Watcher today we have Bill hello Helen hello and as always Kobe hello and we're here to talk about Zero Dark Thirty. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, thanks for listening today. Our guests are Bill and Helen. If you could please say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Yeah, hi, I'm I'm Bill and I am one half of a weekly podcast called When One Thing Leads to Another. And each week we take our listeners down the great internet rabbit hole of trivia, where we unearth a bounty of fact-based gems about pretty much everything and anything. What are your favourite kind of um, unearthings, um, or, or uh, not, not maybe not your favourite, but which which are the most convoluted like starts to ends that you're like, how did we even get there? Well, we started uh, a relatively recent one was called um, Bob, and it started with Bob Mortimer, and the brilliant fact that he essentially accompanied Jarvis Cocker to the police station the night that Jarvis got his bum out and waved it around at the Brits <laughs> in the nineties, and so from there. We got on to other uh, Brit Awards sort of controversies and so yeah. therefore Chumbawamba. Yeah, and then one, a member of Chumbawamba took her name from uh, an old, uh, someone from the witch trials, which then led us to the York race course where they used to hang witches. It's where they also hung Dick Turpin, which then took us to... Carry On Carry On, films. <laughs> Carry on Dick. And uh, <laughs> so uh, as you can see, you start somewhere and it just... The tangents just fly everywhere and you'll end up somewhere completely different to where you started. 
I um yeah, like I said, this is this, this that kind of suits me down to the ground because I um, I spent my first graduate job pretty much just on Wikipedia, and I used to love the kind of places you'd end up. One of my favorite new Instagram accounts is called The Depth of Wikipedia. And they just like take like clips, they take uh, screenshots from Wikipedia of like completely random like wiki hole expeditions that people have gone on. And it's, it's good fun. I, I recommend it. And also recommend your podcast as well um, <laughs> as a companion piece, a companion, <laughs> as a companion to Wikipedia. If, if you love rabbit holes, you're going to love this. Exactly. And who doesn't love a rabbit hole? And, and I think we're one of the few people who actually contribute to Wikipedia. You know, you always get that annoying uh, thing when you log on to Wikipedia saying, would you please give us some money? We actually, owe, yeah. do you know, we will because we, we should. We, we should. <laughs> and we and we do because we do use it a lot. I have, who do, I mean, who doesn't use Wikipedia a lot? I've used, I use it to write dissertations. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've, um, no, I've, compu- I've contributed I've, I've, to just get Jimmy Wales off my screen um, for more than, more than anything. And I think, we, you know, if, if you can afford to, five pounds a, a, a year is like so little for what it gives everyone in the world, it's, I think. Yeah, yeah it's well I, worth I it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and also I'm, I've, I've written articles on Wikipedia as as well. Were so they true? Sometimes I'm that bored. <laughs> you've done you've done as well, haven't you? <laughs> no, I was going to say, were they all true? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They're always like people. One of the first ones I did was a director called Matt Whitecross, who's been on our, our podcast. And the guy who brought with him was a director called Iran Creevy. And he had a Wikipedia page, but Matt Whitecross didn't. And I knew more of Matt's films and the fact that he'd worked with Michael Winterbottom, but he didn't, he didn't right. have a Wikipedia page. So I was like, I'm going to write this. <laughs> yeah. Um, ah. So you can you can view it. Wikipedia has since like almost shadow banned me because they think I'm I'm like being paid to write these film these things where I'm like not because how do you get paid to write Wikipedia pages? Right. Um, but some of them have, some of them have kind of taken their own kind of, you know, people added to them. I'm just like, well, I started this, but yes, Wikipedia, this is taking us far away from the film. Um, in fact, no, there's a slight tangent because I, I spent a bit of time on Wikipedia after watching this film, which is Zero Dark, Th- Dark 30, which is what you chose, Bill. Can you tell us why you chose it? And then I'll give you 30, I'll give you 60 seconds, sorry, for a synopsis. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I chose Zero Dark Thirty because, well, I was curious to see how the film would stack up um, after 10 years. It's the 10th anniversary this year after its uh, release. And I haven't seen it for years. I I remember it being a good film, but I just wanted to sort of check to see, you know, the the world has changed a lot since it's it's been made. And um, the attention has been taken away from Afghanistan and Iraq in many ways. So I just wanted, I was curious to see if the film still had some sort of relevance and whether or not it was, it was still actually worth watching. Okay. Let me get the timer up countdown timer, and you have 60 seconds to tell us the synopsis. Go. Two years after the 9-11 terror attacks, CIA agent Maya Harris, played by Jessica Chastain, is tasked with locating the whereabouts of Osama bin Laden, the suspected mastermind. Maya is dispatched to a secret location in Pakistan where the CIA are detaining suspected al-Qaeda members to extract information through torture, namely waterboarding, humiliation techniques and sleep deprivation. But it becomes apparent that such techniques are producing unreliable intelligence and terror attacks continue for the next few years, including we see the London Tube and bus attacks and the car bombing attempt in Times Square, New York. Maya becomes obsessed with finding bin Laden and the rest of the film follows her and her colleagues' attempts to track down bin Laden, specifically by locating one of his chief couriers, Abu Ahmed 
al-Kuwaiti, who eventually unwittingly leads them to bin Laden's compound in Pakistan, which is subsequently raided by a special ops time regiment. Is, time is up. Time is up. <laughs> time is up. The, the synopsis is a detailed one and good attempt. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, I mean, you're... Your ch- your challenge that you set yourself as is this: Does this still stand up? I guess from many different angles, from a filmmaking point of view, but also I guess in light of the fact that we know a bit more about what happened at those kind of times, and there's you know there's a bit of time removed from that whole, um, you know, we killed Osama bin Laden kind of jingoistic um, war and terror plus Afghanistan's happened. So tell us, did what what are your thoughts? How does it hold up in 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 general? Well, I think I think it does. I think it does hold up. I, th- I think. There's always going to be, well, it's, it's so difficult, isn't it, fictionalising events that are politically sensitive, um, this being a prime example, because there's, there's going to be accusations of American propaganda, which I totally can, can get. But I think that because Catherine Bigelow is directing this, this film offers more than just a sort of jingoistic American, hell yeah, we've we've saved the day and we can all live safely because we killed Bin Laden. It's it's it goes a lot deeper than that and it holds a mirror up to some very questionable tactics used by the American military and the CIA in extracting information, you know. And we're forced to look at whether there was any justification for it and d- did did the the end justify the means so there's so that's one whole element and then um as a film just purely as a film you know in a I don't you don't want to call it an action film in a way because you know it's it's not really there for entertainment i mean f- film at some level is always some level of entertainment this this certainly isn't entertainment but it's it's a brilliantly crafted br- really brilliantly directed film certainly given the way that it has to navigate through this minefield of of what it's talking about helen non-sadler um what what your what are your thoughts have you seen this before yeah i we watched it probably about nine ten years ago um i loved it although i was about halfway through before i realized that i wasn't watching the hurt locker and jeremy Jeremy renner wasn't going to turn up which was um, slightly (laughs) confusing throughout um a large portion of the film, but no, I loved it. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Homeland. And um, so it was just like watching a whole series of Homeland in two and a half hours. Um, I love all of that kind of stuff. And I think Catherine Bigelow is a brilliant director and she handled the really particularly sensitive um, topic. Well, I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was done well. Mm. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, um, Herlock being another Catherine Bigelow mm. film um, yeah. as well, um, which is interesting. Sadler, what were your, what were your thoughts on that? Have you seen it before? Yeah, so I, I, this feels like one I would have seen at the cinema, but I haven't seen it since um, 2012. So I was looking forward to revisiting it and um, going back to it. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Catherine Bigelow anyway. I think she handles it really, really well, particularly kind of the interrogation scenes and sort of how kind of the focus is on on Maya. And I think Jessica Chastain is brilliant. I mean, in my mind, this is her Oscar-winning performance, not what she actually won for. And yeah, it's um, it's kind of mad because obviously it starts with um, calls from 9-11. And, 
it just for me kind of went back to that period in time when we were kind of like on high alert and terrorism was like a number one thing. And then it kind of like calmed down for a little bit. And then it was 2000 and when did they capture him? When did they kill him? What year was uh, that? 11, 2011. Yeah. So there was kind of like quite a bit of a gap um, where obviously they were doing all their detective work and collecting things on CD drives. And then suddenly it was, you know, we, we found him. He was, he, you know, he was here and, you know, we've killed him. And just, it was like a collective sort of sigh of relief from everyone. And then obviously um, all the other kind of stories around then of how they treated prisoners and people in, in the camps. There's a lot going on in this film. And I, th- I think it's handled in a way, I don't really get kind of, I wouldn't say it's American propaganda as such. I think it, it's it's kind of like a very fine line. I, I think it handles it quite well. Um, mm. It's got a great cast. Watching it this time around, I was very much like, oh, it's him. It's him. It's, <laughs> it's him. Oh, yeah. Chris Pratt. Oh, it's Chris Pratt. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Didn't remember him being a but isn't it? Yeah. So it was one of those. So, um, yeah, I think 10 years is a good time to to revisit. I'm trying to I'm trying to work because we had Moneyball on here, which is where I previously thought um, I saw Chris Pratt first. So yeah, Chris Pratt. Yeah, first time I saw Chris Pratt was Moneyball. This must have been the second time, and then it was um, Parks and Rec. Um, but yeah, I mean the cast. I, I mean, let's talk briefly about the cast. The, the biggest one for me, which at the time I was like almost took me out of the out of the, out of the film, was John Barrowman. Yeah, um, same for us. <laughs> 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 very odd. Is that really him? I can't yeah, next, it, yeah, next to Tony Soprano, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. But I mean, he's a good actor. I liked yeah. him. He's a good actor. It's just that yeah. I kind of feel like. I don't. I haven't seen him do that more in the past. Whereas most of the people, you've seen them in more films doing more of that stuff. Mm. Um, I mean, it's always hilarious seeing people who are bald with more hair. So Mark Strong and and uh, yes. James Gandolfini with with the wigs. It, it, always, it took me a moment to recognise who Mark Strong was because I think this is the only film he's been in where he's had hair. Um, mm. <laughs> he's got yeah. hair in Tinker Tailor. Isn't hair in what? Yeah, I think he's got hair in Tinker Tailor. How is he? I think so. Intensely. I, I, I can't remember. I don't know if it's real. I don't think it's real hair. No, yeah, no, I didn't think it was real. We were actually we spent quite a lot of um, a, a, a scene <laughs> discussing whether his hair was real or we decided it was a, a, a syrup. The, the, the other strong, Jeremy Strong, in there. Yeah, yeah. Who's Jeremy Strong? Kendall. He, I only I know him from oh, the gentleman. I thought he was. Yeah, he was it didn't him. look like him because he looks a lot thinner. I was like, that looks like that looks yeah, like Kendall. Yeah, yeah it's Kendall. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well done. Awesome. How old is Kendall then? Because he must. That was the thing. Cause he he looked even he looked a bit older to me than he is now, and that was ten years earlier. So it just kind of it didn't work out in my head mathematical wise. So I just thought it wasn't him. Um, awesome. Okay. Jeremy Strong. Kendall Roy. You guys don't watch TV that much. Do you watch the Succession? No. Like no, that. He's one of the main characters in Succession. So, oh, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. We, we, I recognised him from The Gentleman and we watched that relatively yeah. recently. So that's why it was it's still in my head. Yeah, Kyle Chandler, Jason Clark, Joel Edgerton. Mm. Yeah, big cast. Yeah, that, and, that, and, they're all, and they're all excellent, I thought. I, I, I just, there wasn't really a weak link. I thought the acting was superb. And a, a very, very small role for um, Frank Grillo, which was very enjoyable because um, we saw him recently in a, in a film called Wheelman. I don't know if you've seen that, but that's no. really good. That's another Netflix um, movie, which um, he's the lead in, and that's well worth watching. 
So it was nice to see him. And also, Mark, Mark, I think it's Mark Duplass, but I know him as Peach yeah. Fuzz. So every time <laughs> I see him on screen, just um, he, he's in a horror film where his character's called Peach Fuzz, or one of the names for it. Who did he play? He was um, the man with another maps? CIA person. Yeah, the guy who put some maps on the table. <laughs> I I another CIA agent. <laughs> I, another... Another tallish, whitish CIA person. <laughs> <laughs> but I recognise him as Mark Duplass. Oh, yeah, as, as well. He's, he's in, oh, he, again, not watching TV. He's in um, The Morning Show. He's quite a main character in that. So, um, and he's in, he, he, they wrote a film, Safety Not Guaranteed. You'll probably, if you saw a picture of him, you'd probably recognise him as a guy. Mm. Yeah. The name's <laughs> he's a good familiar. guy. Mm. He's, he's, he's definitely a good guy to know, is uh, Mark Duplass. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it since. It's, it's interesting that we, we hadn't seen it since it came out it's probably one of those films that you, you kind of need to see at the time and you think okay I, I i get that now i'd be interested to know what kind of person does revisit it often frequently more than once every 10 years and i think it's i think it's about right and it was it was like it was for me it was a bit of a curio piece i don't think i enjoyed it that much um you know, i mean i, I thought the, i thought it's well made film but i wasn't like like psyched up to watch it and i was like yeah i need to watch that again because it's, it's a, there's a lot of tough things happen in the film <laughs> um but i think it's a worthy definitely definitely a worthy film and yeah jessica chastain in this was was you know absolutely fantastic uh driving the whole thing forward and you talked about watching homeland but did you from what i understand and in my limited wikipedia with my wikipedia i was trying to like work out if this is true that the claire dane's character in homeland is supposed and um and maya in this is supposed to be based on the same person is that true well, as far as you guys know? Or? As far as as far as we know, I think Catherine Bigelow said that it was actually uh, a, composite. A, a composite of three or four women that were involved right. in the whole process. But um, the main one, just from my cursory um, Wikipedia today as well, was um, a redhead, apparently Alfreda Bukowski. Um, she's the right. the one that was became quite famous and has had sort of books written and... Um, She's a really interesting character, actually, um, and that's who that's who you sort of the first one you think of that um, Jessica Chastain's character's um, based on. I think Jessica Chastain brought quite a lot of humanity to the role. If if what you read on Wikipedia is to be believed about this real person, who um, yeah apparently um, quite enjoyed flying out on the government's money and um, to go to witness the torture sessions, apparently. Oh, I mean, we can go down that kind of whole rabbit hole. I was, I was quite surprised on first watch and also on rewatch how much they kind of showed the uh, the torture that happened um, in this. Um, yeah, grim. Sorry, that's just kind of took me out of the game. Oh yeah, so one, one thing I was quite maybe in your in your, in your um, oh Harry Perri Harold Perrineau as well, another actor who I like from. He was in Lost and he was in um, Oz. The only black guy I think is in is in the film. I was trying to work out how many people were real, how many people were kind of composite characters or, or made up made up characters when i looked on on wikipedia when it's when something's based on a true story and it has real characters it tends to you know link to the person uh, that it's based on but there wasn't anything really clear so it seems to me uh, and hopefully you can maybe prove me wrong that it was kind of all the cia people are made up apart um to tell the story of just getting osama bin laden the, the world's most evil hated person um is did you guys find it, did you find anything else you know to the to the contrary it's, to that at it all? says like it, it talks a bit about um the sort of three main criticisms was that the characters 
um, composite characters. So obviously they're mm. probably based on a number of people. Um, so yeah, I, I same as you, I was having a look to see if they were linked to real people, but it does feel a bit like that. How does you feel, guys, when they caught Osama bin Laden? Uh, <laughs> it's a kind oh, well, of weird thing. This kind of boogeyman that has been hanging yeah. over our head since since nine eleven. There's the one we have to get, and they got him. And you know, I thought that was one of the most interesting things about the end of the film. There was it was almost an anticlimax, but I say that in a good way because mm. we all know now that the the boogeyman supposedly got taken out, but we, we're not all live, living happily ever after. There's still huge issues that need to be to, to be dealt with. There's still many, many problems in America. Like we said, if this was a, if, if it was like with like American Sniper with Clint Eastwood's directing that, and that feels a bit more, you know, like it's okay, everybody, America's got it. We'll, we'll sort this out. But there was that, there was that anticlimactic feeling at the end where, um, Maya, she, she identifies the body and then she walks through right through to the back and she, she looks numb, doesn't she? And and then mm. she's on the, on the phone, and that numbness I thought was really, really well orchestrated because it wasn't really a you, you can't really celebrate anything. It was just the end. There was just this sort of end to this element, and so I liked the fact that it wasn't all America. Hell yeah, we've saved the world, and um, we have the moral high ground on uh, over everybody else. There was, you know, with 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 the torture scenes shown at the beginning we've learned that that isn't the case and that uh, perhaps previous representations of america in in military situations you know we we need to <laughs> maybe look at it a bit more honestly i think one one of the main one of the key lines and probably one of the things that struck with me most um well the first thing i struck with that i remember most from the film is is uh maya jessica chastain's character writing on the on the windows like oh pissing that you know and it almost like direct attack at mark strong her direct you know her superior but the other yeah. one's like a really unstated line where that guy comes down and said i got to go on the third floor and mm. that was that was it and there was like yeah. no kind of like high-fiving or fireworks or things like that which is kind of just what you're saying and there's just like okay good like get grab this bag do the rest of the work you that's what you're here to do now yeah. there's some other stuff to do yeah um you're not gonna get some champagne or lobster or caviar for it just Let's go on with it. And I thought it was quite an interesting, like you said, I think Clint Eastwood even, he's not the most out, you know, out there director, but he, he would have probably made a bigger deal out of it than any other mm. director in the world would have done. So I yeah. think it's quite nicely handled in Catherine Bigelow's hands. I think so. And I think it's also interesting that uh, she says that she didn't set out to make a film about, you know, strong women being involved in the hunt, the, the eventually tracking him down. But during the the process of her research, it became apparent that many women had very central roles. And so mm. the film, so the film is actually as much about that as it is just purely a dramatization of a, an event that happened. And, and she, uh, Bigelow describes it, the film as being a portrait of dedication and tenacity um, with, with, with particularly the female characters, remembering that, um, you know, obviously we've got Maya, who's these, who's the, who's the main character there. And she actually devises a better way of extracting information, not through torture, mm. but by a, a, a different method. Um, and then we've got Jessica Carley, played by Jennifer Earl. Jennifer Ely. 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 And she yeah. brokers the deal to get the informant to come to the camp. I know it all ends uh, badly because that becomes a suicide bombing, but, um, but she's brokered that. And then there's the third character, Debbie, who has this tiny part where she 
actually presents the, the, the long forgotten folder, which confirms the identity of the sort of missing courier who that's the big break in the case. So three big um, roles there for, for women. And that was, that was also refreshing rather than it being this sort of alpha male yeah. war movie as you might expect it to be. Um, I mean, that was a question I asked before uh, Well, in the, in the talking points. This is definitely a military-based film, but do you, do you, is this a war film, do you guys think? Yeah. I yeah. mean, not not maybe in the traditional sense, but, yeah, very much so. Is it a, is it a thinking person's war film, perhaps? I don't know. Mm. Because it's... Because we're, we're, left, we're left thinking about things, I think, which, is, which I think is its strength. I think with... Um... The Hurt Locker. That's that's almost like a, that seems like a war film to me more than this. Where this is, it leads to that. It leads to that you know definitive strike where they kill Bin Laden. And I want to check. I want to see how accurate that kind of was as well in terms of that that play out. So I think I'll be I'll be on uh, Wikipedia late tonight as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We do check it out. I, I was I was listening to some interviews with Bigelow, and she says she tries to be as uh, faithful to the actual events as she possibly could be. You know, because I was thinking at the time, oh, it's typical, isn't it, that Bin Laden is the last one they shoot. But then he was yeah. the la- he was he was all the way up on the third floor in the most protected part of the building, as perhaps he would yeah. be. So you sort of think, okay, that wasn't just a Hollywood thing. She is Bigelow is following what actually happened that night. Anything else you guys want to say before we head to the scores? No, I think we've I think we're I think we're there. If yeah, yeah, we're good. Hello, I'm Hannah Flint from The First Film Club, a film podcast series dedicated to established and emerging talent, both in front of and behind the camera, and the feature debuts that launch their careers. From the new drama Mass to the cult classic Heathers, each episode is dedicated to a film, a guest, and the behind the scenes stories, memories, and advice from their time on set. Find us, The First Film Club, wherever you listen to your stripped media podcasts. Come join the club. Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. Their scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, Bill, with your recommendability. Oh, it's a bit tough because recommending it when it first came out, it would be a sort of a, a five. But now the time has the time has passed a bit. So um, I'll just knock maybe a, a point off and call it a four. Fair play. Helen. I would I would probably give it 4.5 I'm very surprised I'd give it 4.5 I think it's a it's a it's a brilliant film like like you say it's a thinking man's war film maybe um I totally recommend it yeah I think it's gritty it's measured it's um it has you know it has certain authenticity so um yeah 4.5 Sadler yeah so similarly I think had you asked me coming out of the cinema 10 years ago, I would have been, oh, yeah, absolutely, you have to see it. Whereas I think that people would maybe be a little bit more sceptical about a lot of the things that probably me watching it then would have taken for like, oh, my God, that happened. Whereas I think now, obviously, people have sort of spoken up about things and questioned certain things. So I think as a dramatisation of real events, it's very kind of solid film but not to be kind of like too taken up with it representing history um as it happened on screen so i think there's that sort of to take into account so i'm 
yeah, it's it's still really good, and you know the solid performances, and I guess it's there as a record of that period of time that was particularly dark and. There was a lot of kind of like misinformation about as well with the public. So I think some people who haven't seen it might go into it a little bit sceptical. But if you take it as an entertainment piece that's based around real events, then without thinking it's it's the absolute truth, then you'll probably have a better time with it. So um, I'm going to go solid four. Yeah, I'm going to go for I'm going to go for four as well. I think if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. My other thoughts kind of will play out with the rest of the of the. With the rest of the scoring, repeat viewing, etc., it is quite interesting in hindsight, isn't it? I, I mean, I, I remember going to cinema like keen to see it, keen to watch it all, but I think it is. I think it is telling. Let's go to the repeat viewing score that most of us haven't seen it since it first came out. Um, Bill, repeat viewing score. Well, <laughs> I think you mentioned it before. You'd be interested to see how many people would watch it often. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't. You have to be in the. You have to sort of be in the right mood. This isn't a sort of Friday night film is it this is a you wouldn't watch it with loads of your mates what scene what scenario no. we <laughs> you know we're not i'm not going to get a load of beer, beers and pizza in and invite a load of friends around and then watch <laughs> watch this that just doesn't seem appropriate in any way so repeat viewing it, it sort of i think it gets the marks drop a bit only only for that reason really so i'd just go bang in the middle at 2.5 yeah i'd 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 say uh, the same thing really um it's it's a tough watch um, it's not, you know, particularly the um, enhanced interrogation uh, sequences. So it's not something I'd particularly want to watch too many times more. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say two. Sadler. Yeah, so this is my second time watching. It's it's a hefty two hours, 37 minutes. So it's not one you're going to like pop on while you're making your, your dinner or anything as, as kind of casual viewing. Um so yeah, um, the amount of time elapsed between those two watches was enough for me to not really have remembered much. So it did feel quite um, new to my brain watching. It's like, oh yeah, I can't remember this bit. Um, so that was good. So yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll go down the middle as well, two and a half. Uh, I'm going to go for two. I, I can't think, it may be another 10 years. This is a once in every 10 year film uh, phenomenon. So yeah, I don't think, I'm, I'm not the big warm film guy anyway, or military kind of film or that kind of thing anyway, but yeah, it's not going. I'm not. I'm not going to be drawn back to this super quickly. Small screen score, Bill. Okay. Well, <laughs> it does get very dark, doesn't it? It sort of gets increasingly mm. dark. So, I mean, obviously that last, the last act with the raid. So, you know, you you almost have to have the room completely in the dark. I mean, it was it was okay on the um, on on the laptop, wasn't it? But you'd probably want to be in a very darkened cinema room really to be able to see everything completely clearly so did you guys uh, watch in the cinema the first time or was it um rental I thing? no i think yeah i think we, i think we watched it i did that was um back in the days when we were in london and, and i had, had a big massive, telly massive, <laughs> so we watched it mass, on a really yeah, big screen <laughs> massive telly didn't you yeah so yeah so for small screen i'm gonna i'll go three 3.5 helen yeah i think you know it, it, it it's not it's not particularly um i don't think it's necessary that necessary to watch it on a big screen because it's it's all it's all the sort of behind the scenes work that you know went on apparently um rather than in the battlefield so you know it's not it's not actually that actiony so um i think it's fine on the small screen so i'd say four helen yeah i'm i'm like 99.9 percent .9 sure i saw this at the cinema 
and um, uh, I was perfectly fine watching it this time around. So it's unlikely to come back to the cinema. So you're probably only going to watch it on your home viewing. So I'm going to give it a five. Yeah, I definitely saw it at the cinema the first time, but I can't remember thinking, wow, that's, I'm glad I was here. I probably watched it at the cinema because I wanted to watch it like as soon as possible uh, than anything else. Um, this time round, yeah, it was dark and murky in places. I watched this all on my iPad because I was like flitting between the TV and watching it and in different places. So let's go for 4.7, 4.7. Yeah, 4.7. Engagement score, Bill. Yeah, well, I'm going to almost give it, I'm, I'm going to go 4.5 because if you haven't seen the film, then, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a solid 4.5 engagement, I think. It's, I think it's very gripping. I think I might lose, heart, you know, 0.5 just because it comes, as you said, it's over two and a half hours long. So you might lose some attention at, perhaps, at the, you know, in the, in the first third or first half or something like that. But yeah, four and a half, thought it was very engaging. Yeah, I, I'd give it 4.75 actually, because um, as you said, it's, it's, what is it, two hours, 37 minutes, which is really long. Some might say too long for a movie. And um, yet... It didn't feel it at all. I was totally um, gripped and um, involved and engaged in the um, in the action. So yeah, four seven five. Helen, uh, I'm I'm going to four point five as well. Um, it's one of those that you you really do have to be paying attention. Like you know, if you need to go for a wee, you need to pause it because you'd have come back and someone had been blown <laughs> up or you've missed like some kind of like verbal exchange um with like names and there's like a, there's a lot of names and a lot of people popping up and you're like oh I need to remember who they are they might be important later on so yeah rewards you for being engaged in it uh I've gone for four uh which is higher than I thought it would be this time around um and that's probably a product of the fact it's been like Helen said you know 10 years so I've probably forgotten more than I remember from well I know forgotten definitely more than I remember from it uh first time round as you know really engaged because this is the kind of the biggest insight into what happened in the war on terror um, that we'd had. And this time around, I was kind of like, oh, okay, he's going to pop up next uh, as, a, as an actor that I really like now that I didn't know of then uh, so much. So it's it a different kind of game. Um, yeah, Chris Pratt was my favourite, I think, that came up. No, no, like I said, John Barrowman. When you go from live and kicking to uh, Hollywood's multi-Oscar award-winning film is quite interesting. I was very um, confused because I thought um, Joel, is it Joel Edgerton? I, yeah. thought, I thought that was the British actor that played um, Eddie the Eagle, so I was very confused, wondering <laughs> where he was. There was a lot of frantic Wikipedia-ing afterwards, wasn't there? He would have yeah. been very yeah. young, I think. <laughs> yeah. I'm still trying to work out how old... Jeremy Strong was in this film, or how old he is now? Because I, I can't work out. I guess that he would have been thirty-two-ish then, if he's if he's forty or now. That, that kind of makes sense age-wise, um, and that gives an overall score of three point seven seven eight one three, which is yeah, good. Repeat viewing score, let it down, took it down a few notches, hmm. but everything else had the strong four point uh, overall scores for recommendability, small screen score, and engagement. But yeah, I, just, I can't see myself watching this film that many times and I think that's what you guys said as well yeah but but that's that's more to do with it's not the quality of the film is it oh, it's just no. the subject matter it's difficult watch isn't it so yeah it is documentaries we have we've had here uh, tend to have a low repeat viewing score for you know for that right. same kind of reason not because it's a bad film or bad documentary it's just that yeah. you know 
you've watched it once, it's like, yeah, I might never watch that again. That's oh. that, that's fine. Um, and that's how it happens. So, yeah, decent score. Uh, Bill, Helen, can you tell us where we can find you online, uh, the name of your podcast and everything about it? And uh, we'll say goodbye to everyone who's listening. Yeah, well, actually, I'm going to jump in there because our podcast is all about trying to find interesting facts. So I'm going to give you three random interesting facts about uh, Zero Dark Thirty, more specifically Catherine Bigelow. I don't know if this is sanctioned, but we'll allow it. Okay. Uh, she, <laughs> in the 80s, she modelled jeans for the clothing company Gap. How about that? Sorry, for Jessica Chastain did. No, sorry, this was Catherine Bigelow. Oh, okay. She, she modelled jeans for Gap in the 80s. She also directed a Pirelli tyres commercial with Uma Thurman in 2007. I thought that was interesting. And she also briefly went into business uh, with the composer Philip Glass, randomly, um, renovating dilapidated properties in California. So there's your yeah. three useless facts about Catherine Bigelow for you to be getting on with. And if that's uh, your sort of thing, then, yeah, you can find us uh, when one thing leads to another.com or wherever you get your podcasts, Apple and Spotify and all the rest of them. And uh, and thanks very much for having us. Thank Cheers. you so much for having us. <laughs> <laughs> no problem at all. It's been a pleasure uh, re-watching 0.30 after all these years. Thanks so much for coming on. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixwatcherPod on Twitter and we're at Flixwatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood audio tell them flicks what you sent you you just heard a stripped media production 